Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome back to my summer camp. It's kind of like Camp Granada, only Jeffrey Hardy hasn't gone missing yet, at least not yet. Remember those heinous months of fall, winter, and spring when this podcast featured audio from live webinars broadcast under Massachusetts Low Maps Lunch Hour Legal Marketing brand? Well, we've got a recurring problem. We don't host any webinars over the summer, such that we've been left with a content breach. Now, since nature abhors a vacuum, we've decided to offer four Lunch Hour Legal Marketing podcasts this summer, which podcasts will appear in the form of interviews with us featured speakers from the 2015 Super Marketing Conference in Boston. It's a great list of speakers turned interviewees. We're calling this the Summer of Lunch, hashtag Summer of Lunch. Talk about it on social media and everywhere else. A limited edition podcast series with an existing podcast. Wow, that is all pretty meta. So I'm actually kind of sad, though, that this is the last one of these. We're wrapping up. I don't know what I'm going to do now, just down to one podcast. Perhaps I'll take a macrame. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Now, if you don't recognize my voice, I'm Jared Correa, the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor at Massachusetts Low Map. I'm also co-host of the Legal Talk Network Legal Toolkit podcast. Our last Summer of Lunch interview is right now with Kevin O'Keefe, CEO of LexBlog. LexBlog is a blogging platform and network for lawyers and law firms. LexBlog's LXBN network features the work of affiliated legal bloggers. Now, Kevin himself was a trial lawyer in the Midwest for almost 20 years where he started Prairie Law, one of the first widely used internet communities for attorneys. Prairie Law eventually evolved into the seed of Lawyers.com, which you may have heard of. Kevin started LexBlog out of his garage. He thought he was Bill Gates. His son thought the family was going to go broke. The company now has 35 employees with a corporate office in Seattle. He blogs at Real Lawyers Have Blogs and is active on social media. He's been married for 40 years and has five children. Is that right, Kevin? Five children? Really? Yeah, five kids. You're wrong, wrong about the 40 years. It's only 35. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> you got five years left before you have to come up with that big 40-year anniversary present. <laughs> Sorry to age you an extra five years, but your kids probably did that for you already. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. How are things in the Pacific Northwest? Very nice. Beautiful. Thanks. All right, Kevin. So let's get into the questions now. So I think an issue for lawyers is a lot of them have trouble getting started blogging. Uh, once they start, it's usually because somebody told them to, but that's not really a great reason to start doing anything. So what do you think are sort of the appropriate motivators, appropriate effective motivators for would-be lawyer bloggers? Yeah, I don't know that it's because people told them to blog any, any more than somebody you know, tells you to you know, drive less than 120 miles an hour on the freeway. It, it, becomes, <laughs> more the, it, it becomes the prudent thing to do. Um, yeah. 
what what there, there are certain people that are motivated to improve their station in life, and there are other people that are not. And those people that are going to improve their station in life as lawyers, um, there's probably not a better way to do so than through blogging. Now, those people that have not blogged, they can't understand that. You know, that just sounds like smoke and mirrors, uh, simply an illusory in concept. But for those people that have blogged, it's crystal clear. So it's really what 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 gets people to do it, or uh, inspires uh, lawyers to at least think about it is you know I've noticed this lawyer seems to be achieving some great things. I've chatted with them uh, about it. Although lawyers are often very reluctant to reach out to people that are successful and say, what would you advise doing? Um, They feel too vulnerable or they feel unsuccessful if they expose themselves that way. But by reaching out and saying, what have you done? What works for you? You've achieved this uh, status as a go-to lawyer in our community, in our state, or nationally. How did you do it? Um, Did this blog that you're publishing on a particular issue, did that help you? So it's looking around um, and saying, "I'd I'd like to achieve something different in life. And I know when you speak, you, you, you talk a lot about success stories from lawyers who have started blogs and been really successful at doing it. And I'm sure that serves as an effective motivator for people, too. If they can see another lawyer has done it, they'll be more likely to do it on their own. I think you have to because, you know, you know we look at ourselves and we put our pants or you know, our dresses on the same way. And, uh, but we don't know how these other people accomplish these great things. And so if you yeah. put somebody up there or talk about somebody that looks just like you or I, and they've accomplished these great things, you, you start to, to look at it from the standpoint, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, <laughs> and so I think you need to put in front of people and say, you know, here's this person, here's what they were thinking about doing, here's what they decided to do, here's what they did do, and look at the benefits that they reaped. But make it real from the standpoint of nobody's blogging to blog. Nobody wants to say, I have a blog. That's not my goal. That's not a goal. Or I'm not blogging to have traffic. You know, it's not that. It's not even that I'm blogging to earn a lot of money by being a go-to lawyer. It's what do you get from that? You know, do you have the opportunity to put your kids through college? Do you have the opportunity to pay for your daughter's weddings? Do you have the opportunity to earn a good living for you and your husband or you and your wife? It's those type of things. It's, it's those things which are more meaningful in life. Do you have the ability to help other people because of what you've earned over time? You know, it's, it's all of that, um, that that you want to be able to tell that story uh, to other people so that they're inspired to act. Yeah, that, that, that's great. Um, and so I think from a technical standpoint, clearly there's a lot that can be derived from blogging for people who can get around to be confident enough to do it and believe they'll achieve success. But I think lawyers suffer from uh, this disease of perfectionism where most of them don't start blogging because they feel like they have to write the perfect post or the perfect number of posts. Um, and I know lawyers who will try to write 15 blog posts before they ever even put anything out there and, and make it live because they want it to be perfect. They want to be ready to go just in case something else comes up. Do you think there's sort of a sweet spot between just making it live, putting it out there online, and being a perfectionist for lawyers? Well, my personal opinion is they ought to look mm-hmm. very professional because yep. you're going to go live and you're going to be out there. And uh, in the beginning, you know, you, you're not going to have very many people look at you because you yeah. have not established yourself and you haven't gone out there and engaged and developed a presence. But at the same time, you better make darn sure, one, it looks great as far as design and development. 
so it looks as good as any blog on the internet, including something coming from Harvard Business Review. I'm not of the persuasion that you just tinker and do things for free because you can look stupid because some other lawyers look stupid. <laughs> I, I've never bought that. And so yeah. this is a whole new world uh, that exists today where you have a whole lot of pundits on the internet that are telling people you can do everything for free. Because mm -hmm. when I practice law, we didn't expect to do everything for free. There wasn't mm -hmm. free legal research. There wasn't free marketing. There wasn't free advertising. There weren't, you know, low cost to next to free case management. Everybody's out there now telling everybody they can do it for free. So in the beginning, I think what intimidates lawyers is, is really making sure I, I look good. So what does it need to look like? What are the components it needs to have? Because this is going to be seen by the media. This is going to be seen by leading lawyers. This is going to be seen by clients. And those clients, they're bouncing around, if they're consumers, they're bouncing around good sites. You know, they're bouncing around you know, Facebook. How clean is it? How fast does it load? Is it easy to use? Your content's yeah. going to appear right in that atmosphere. Does that make you look professional in the way you present yourself, or does it make you look like a clown? Okay, mm. That's what intimidates lawyers. Am I going to look like a clown? I don't want to do it. Now, when you get to blogging, how do you blog? Do you use images the way that Mashable use images? Because that's what you're, mm -hmm. that's what the public's thinking about. Do yeah. you use images the way that Vox Media or, or SB Nation or Bleacher Report uses images? Because they're using WordPress. They may have a technology platform that's built more sophisticated than WordPress, like many lawyers do, you know, mm -hmm. on top of it. But you better look good. And then when you post, you should post like those professionals post the way you reference people, the way you title things, the way you create bullets, the way you create, you know, block quotes. <clears throat> you also need to know how you're going to draw people to your site. Well, that's going to be by engaging the influencers. So there's a lot at play. So I think from a yeah. lawyer standpoint, what they need to be concerned about is, sure, don't be intimidated to have to do 15 blog posts before you go live, but how did you learn how to blog? How do you have a platform that looks very nice on where you're going to blog? Do you know how you're going to blog in such a way that's going to get positive citations and positive sharing? It's going to get to you to where you want to go. So I do think there's there there you know there's a good point in what you're saying. Don't don't try to make it perfect because this is conversational in nature versus writing a legal article. But at the yep. same time, it ought to be professional because what young lawyers don't realize <clears throat> is to put a uh, eighth of a page ad in the yellow pages might have cost eight or ten thousand dollars a year. You want a full page yeah. ad in the yellow pages? That's sixty or seventy-five thousand dollars a year. That was the starting price to hang out your signal. So to go out and do a blog, which is going to be much, much, much more effective than that yellow page ad was, is going to cost you a fraction of that. But it's going to cost you something so that you yeah. get great design, great development, and coaching. So I, I don't want to be little the point that you're, that you're saying, because it's very legitimate, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I, I do think that there's a level that people need to get to before they jump out there. Yeah, no, I think, I think you make some great points there, Kevin. I, I, I don't think a lot of lawyers think about a blog from the standpoint of what it looks like. They think about that in terms of their website. Um, so that's a useful thought. And also looking at other industries. So you mentioned some websites there that aren't lawyer which, websites. Which is, which, it's, that's backwards what you just said. Think about it. <clears throat> which is going to bring you more work, your website or your blog? Your blog, by far, yep. than your yep. website. Yep. I have no interest in bouncing around the websites. But <laughs> I, I learned from 
bloggers. I mean, look at trust value. Okay, there was a recent uh, survey that just came out. Bloggers only fall behind family and friends as far as trust. Family, friends. That's it. Hmm. When people yeah. look for a lawyer, what is the what are the two places they look first? The ABA study came out. Family and friends. Of course they would. Okay. <laughs> bloggers are next. Corporate brand is is right above journalist from last. So yeah, yeah. your law firm brand is not trusted. Journalists <laughs> are you know are are, are are not trusted. So I mean, corporate brand is just about politicians. Your journalists are a little bit higher. Your social media contacts are higher than journalists. They're higher than a corporate brand. So you, you're right. It is ironic that firms think about, <laughs> I need to have a website almost if it's a requirement under my licensure uh, requirements yeah. in my state. But what they ought to be thinking is, how do I go out and network and build relationships? And when you go out and network and build relationships, you ought to dress appropriately. Because you're, you're going to be remembered for how you look. So, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. If it looks like you showed up coming from the stable where you're, you know, working in the garden and everybody is dressed in business casual, you're going to have a serious problem. And so yes. that's, I don't think people realize that. No, it's true. Work on work in the stable after you're done networking, and make your blog look good. This is great. <laughs> I think I think it inverts the way a lot of lawyers think. I think you're right. Um, so one one other item I wanted to talk to you about from a technical standpoint is sort of consistency. Um, I think one of the issues that lawyers have um, on the technical level is they feel like they're not going to be able to produce enough content to make a blog relevant enough to work for them. Um, what What are your uh, comments for those people? Well, it's not about content. That's the biggest thing to realize. This is not content marketing. A blog is not content marketing. Mm -hmm. An email newsletter, an alert, an article someplace, that's content marketing. Blogging yep. is not that. So look at blogging as an opportunity to engage and to go out and network. So the most important thing is to listen. You have mm -hmm. to be clear in your goal as far as what you want to do. So you know, let's, use some, let's use an example of you know, a lawyer in Boston that has the ideal is that he'd like to do ERISA litigation in federal court, but he doesn't have mm -hmm. a lot of work in that area or he has none. Well, yeah. what does he do? He doesn't start just to write on it. He might listen to who's writing on that issue already. Who are the experts that are writing on it? They might be writing as a consultant in the arena. They might be writing on the Harvard Business Review. There might be an yeah. article in the Wall Street Journal. You have that information collected for you in a news aggregator. And a wonderful blog post is interesting story in the Wall Street Journal this morning by Patricia Smith about this ERISA issue. Take a block quote. Tell me why you shared this with me and what that means in a dinner conversational way. Patricia Smith at the Wall Street Journal just realized that you wrote about her by the fact that you blogged. You're out networking. Yeah. So you're, that blog post probably took 25 minutes. If you don't have 25 minutes once a week to, do, to work on for business development, one, to follow your industry, and two, to network, then you've got bigger problems. So yeah. it's not so much the content because um, nobody's going to make up content from scratch. It's engaging in the conversation, and by doing that, you have to reference what other people are saying. It's no different than being one of the people on a panel in front of all these potential clients. You don't just shout out at the audience without listening to what other people are saying on the panel. You reference yep. what they have to say. You want to be in the conversation as a blogger with the other thought leaders. You're not trying to 
create the only TV station and just shout it out at people. You want to go <laughs> into the conversation which already has participants that's being led by somebody else. Yeah, I think that's great that you think of blogging in a social way. A lot of people don't think of it that way, and that's something we're going to get to in the second half of the podcast. So, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about subject matter. Um, first start, do you think it's essential to have a niche practice if you're going to start a blog? And if you don't have a niche, what do you write about instead? It all depends on what your goal is. You know, um, if you don't know where you're going to go, you don't know where you don't know where you're going to end up. You can end up anywhere. Um, so you, you really want to think about it. What is the goal of my blog? You know, so it could be different goals. It could be to say, I would like to retain my existing clients. That's not a bad goal. Mm-hmm. If you're doing uh, work that brings in work on a repetitive basis, let's say you have you've you've grown a nice uh, book of business in uh, in a town where you represent small business people, and you found that those small business people refer work to you. So what you need to do with the blog is is to remain personable, authentic, genuine, a little bit more innovative than other people that they may think about using. You remain real. So mm-hmm. let's say that in you know representing small business people, you could be doing a lot of different things. You could be doing real estate work. You could be doing some tax work. You could be forming corporations. So what you've got to do is just bring something to the equation. Every piece isn't necessarily going to be valuable. It could just be the fact that you penciled a note from the blackboard. That's valuable to people. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, let's say it is uh, we need to keep this book of business or grow this book of business as a uh, inside the firm. So for mega firms, um, they don't get referrals inside the firm as much as people think because yeah. I don't trust you in Boston because I don't know you. I know you're with the same firm that I'm with, but there's mm-hmm. but there's a thousand other of you. And so I'm not <laughs> referring stuff to you. I'm referring yeah. stuff to somebody else in Boston that I know better. Well, if I get to know you because you're blogging on a particular issue, I'll begin to trust you. That's extremely valuable. We also get the knowledge out of the lawyers and the firm on a particular mm-hmm. issue. So that blog could be a really good, that's a great goal. Now yep. you have another goal where you're saying, I don't know that I have a lot of work um, just in what I'm doing regularly right now. And I don't know that just being out there and networking randomly um, is going to get me where I need to go. And I've heard about this thing, blogging, and I'm thinking it could help me. And I'm thinking I'm going to blog on, you know, Boston employment issues or Boston business Mm -hmm. law. You might say, you know, that's pretty broad. Um, Are you going to make a name for yourself? Uh, What Mm -hmm. do you like doing? Um, What would be fun to do? Well, gee, I did a couple of these non-competes in the last year. Why would you like those? And you explain why. Well, why don't you blog on Massachusetts non-compete law? And you go, well, that's interesting. And the niche, now you're into a niche. Niches don't shrink what you do. They expand it because you'll get invited to all different types of places to speak on this niche, whether it's local bar associations, state bar associations, business associations, you name it. And mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. aren't going to remember exactly what you spoke on, but they'll remember you. Or they might yeah. remember that you come back and speak on this issue every year, but they know you do more than that. It's giving you that credibility. The other thing you can do is what happens if all of a sudden you're landing a non-compete matter a week or every other week in, in off, your, off of what you built 
for reputation yep. and relationships. Well, that's pretty good because what happens if the average fee is fifteen to twenty thousand dollars? All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you've got something. You're going, holy cow! This is really neat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing yeah, in absolutely. half a million dollars a year uh, from doing this. Well, that's we all laugh about it, but they, but lawyers are doing that all the time. Yeah, no, they're, absolutely. They're yeah, that's some good subjects, math. and then they're doing that, and so. Yep. Yeah. And then they say, well, gosh, I like this lifestyle. I'm not going to work any harder. I've got a good name recognition. And there's, I, mean, I, I had lunch with a lawyer in Boston that uh, said if anybody wants to, to see what a blog can do before you bring them out to my house, we have a whole wing. The blog wing, I like that. We have a whole new edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and he, you know, he said most of it came because of one huge case. Um, but but he gets all his work. He gets most of his work via relationships from blogging and a sophisticated business issue. Um, yeah, that's so great. So the niches I mean, are really niches are really 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 important. And when you think mm-hmm. about it, we turn to the internet for everything we want to find, and we expect to be able to find it. And when we don't find it, we get a little bit upset. And we're not yep. going to trust a general publisher. So are you more likely to trust an individual that is an expert that practices an issue, or are you more, you more likely to trust you know, some general publication? Uh, you're going to trust the expert. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what goes on. The niches are, uh, niches are wonderful. And, and when you think of topics that you need to think about, they're, they're all over the board. I mean, I could just go to what, what blogs are successful in other states that they don't have here in my state or my city. Boy, I'm going to do that one. Well, you're, yep. you won. <laughs> a year or two, you're going to be quite successful. Now, you've got to be passionate <laughs> about the issue, too. You've got you to say, well, I like yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great point because I think, I think a lot of people are concerned that niche practice is going to reduce the amount of work that people can take in. But oftentimes, you're right, I think it amplifies what you can do. Um, so let, let me ask a subsidiary question about that then. What do you think about lawyers who write about non-legal subjects or have non-legal blogs, perhaps in addition to the legal blogs that they maintain? Is that tactic successful, do you think, in any way for business generation or developing a reputation? You know, I, I wouldn't call it tactical um, any more than I would say, you know, if you, if you play adult hockey, is that a tactic to get work? Um, mm. You wouldn't you wouldn't have said, well, I, I started playing adult hockey because I it was my one of my tactics. Uh, you, yeah. you play adult hockey because yeah. you played adult hockey, played hockey as a kid or in college or whatever. And what you find is that over time, people would like your personality. They would have beer with you, that type of stuff, and somebody might refer work to you. So. If you, if you just lead life in a way that is an enjoyable way to lead life and relax, but to put yourself in, in, in an environment where you might meet people that grow to trust you, that's fine. There's a lawyer in uh, in uh, in Texas, Peter Vogel, who's with a large firm, and he calls it the pool ball effect. And I, you know, the first time he said that, I didn't know what he meant. And he goes, Kevin. <laughs> He goes, you know, I do a lot of different stuff because i got to keep the pool balls moving. I don't know which ball is going in, I don't know which hole it's going in, but I do know one thing. If the pool balls don't move, there ain't nothing happening. And uh, that's what he does to generate work over the years. So I think it's fine. You know, people, you know, people blog on sports. I, I met a lawyer this morning. Yeah. She, she, she blogs on, on sports for a Bay Area um, uh, blog network. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a pool ball analogy is a good one. I think that's like key that that was a Texas attorney. That seems like something that someone from Texas would say. <laughs> now, we've talked earlier in the show about how blogging is sort of a social activity when done in the best light. And what you want to do is generate conversations surrounding what you do. So what do you think are some of the best ways for generating conversation around blog posts? I mean, you've got comments, you've got social media, you're trying to get link, links back to your posts. Uh, what do you think people should be striving for when you're talking about conversation surrounding posts that you write? Let's divide it up differently. <clears throat> Blogging is a conversation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so forget that there was anything to do with social media; it didn't exist because <laughs> blogging was a vibrant was vibrant before there was Twitter, Facebook, yep. you name it. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. and social media was vibrant back in the nineties. Okay, yeah. because we listened to what other people said and we responded. So the conversation of blogging comes from. I have a news aggregator and I listen to thought leaders. My blog responds to what those people say. Mm-hmm. I sometimes write in a way that's reporting on what I've heard, but I always am trying to link to somebody else because I, I want to meet them. Okay, So if I'm strategic as a lawyer and I want to get I want to be speaking in front of this particular association in my town, well, then I'm monitoring what they're blogging about or what they're saying in the media, because if I reference what they're talking about, they will see me. That will lead to coffee. That will lead to me invited to speak. That's a conversation. Nothing to do with Twitter. Nothing to do with sharing. You, yep. Facebook, nada. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I have a blog, which... It's very hard to use social media if you don't have a blog and really be genuine and be thought of as authoritative, in my opinion, because yeah. you're out yeah. here flying all around the Internet. Who are you? Well, you're kind of flighty. You're, you're, you use Twitter, <laughs> you use Facebook, you use LinkedIn. You know, where's your home base? Where are you building the legacy? Where's your book? Where do I look mm-hmm. up this authority? <clears throat> but no question that other social media can help you as a blogger because content moves socially as opposed to yeah. just search. So when blogging yep. started, yeah. we referenced other blogs, and those blogs saw us that even list, the other blogs that we referenced even listed us in trackbacks on their site. That's, you could get a lot of traffic by referencing an influential blogger because people would click on your link on their blog. Think about yep. that. That doesn't exist yep. anymore. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of traffic on Google because people search on various subjects, so they might find your post from last week or five years ago. Well, today, a lot of it is shared from friend to friend socially. So if I'm going to have my blog post shared on Twitter, I have to share a lot of other people's stuff on Twitter before I'm going to go out and go share my own stuff. Otherwise, it's just rude, in my opinion. So you you share other people's stuff. They share share yours. On Facebook, Facebook is, is, is going to generate a lot more discussion than comments on your blog because people hang out on Facebook. They don't hang out on blogs as much as they used to. So mm-hmm. I reference what I'm blogging about on Facebook and it generates a lot of conversation from business people from coast to coast. A lot of lawyers don't realize that Facebook is very powerful, just your personal Facebook. Places like LinkedIn, similar thing. You know, Share your blog post on, on, on LinkedIn, provide a teaser, and then engage the people then that like it. So they like mm-hmm. it. Don't you just look at their picture and say, well, that's a nice picture. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe it's somebody that you want to meet. Drop them yeah. a note. Say, hey, you're in Australia. What are you doing there in PR in Australia? Um, 
you know, we should set up a Skype call and talk. Now that that's an example of me yesterday. I saw somebody that liked yeah. photos with some other people. Another one was a couple of weeks ago. They liked it. Their CMO of a large law firm in in, in Denver reached out to him and say, I, we should get together. Good timing, he says. I'd like to have you talk <laughs> with the team about some things we're doing. So that's, that's what yeah, you're doing you is you're saying the blog is the currency of, of engagement. So don't look at the blog as content. Look at the blog as in currency of, of engagement and relationships. You can't, until you write, you can't meet people. Until you talk, they can't hear you. Until you talk, there's no conversation. So your blog is just part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. So you got your blog, you post it on social media, and then you follow up with people. That should be fairly straightforward. Now, from a social most, media, most people don't. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's true. It's funny. It's funny you should say that because yeah, it seems like it's easy to do, tougher in practice. I think a lot of the problem with uh, that attorneys have with social media is that there's so many different sites they could be on, and they sort of get overwhelmed, and they don't participate in any rel- really effectively. So, do you think there is a best social media platform to use as a blogger or do you think no. attorneys should be more diverse in what they do uh i think you should try different things and get comfortable with the fact that there is social media because you only learn a little bit by trial and error out here on these social media and you learn by following what other people are doing but you can't get overwhelmed by it that'd be like saying we're not going on vacation because there's too many places in the united states to go and we just, we just haven't figured out the right one. <laughs> there you go. We're, 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 we stay home. I mean, people would look at you and say, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're killing it with the metaphors today, Kevin. I have to say, I'm impressed. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Um, so I think we've covered a lot of ground here today. So I think we can put blogging in the books. Um, we'll finish this podcast and we'll finish this whole summer series. So, uh, for those of you out there listening, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and the whole of the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Summer Series, Summer of Lunch. If you like this, check out the rest of our shows. You can listen anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Now, Kevin O'Keefe was great today. Inverted a lot of things that people think about blogging, came up with some great metaphors, talked to me about Gaylord Perry. It was a good day. So, Kevin, uh, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and about LexBlog? Sure. Um, anybody that wants to get information from us, they just can uh, contact me directly if they want. All you got to do is Google Kevin O'Keefe, and you'll get all my contact information. But our website is LexBlog, L-E-X-B-L-O-G dot com, and you'll get all uh, the contact information for reaching out to us uh, right there. And LexBlog does, I think we do a very, very nice job of, of helping folks, whether they become a client or not, and steering them in the right direction. So our goal is just to be a friend in the business to uh, those lawyers so they don't have to be so confused about uh, what they should be doing uh, when it comes to the net. And I'll second that. And Kevin will actually get back in touch with you if you contact him. Um, So that's it for the summer of lunch. That's all she wrote. Flip the switch on your way out. The one on the wall beside you. Yes, that's the one. Um, I'll see what I can think of next here. In the meantime, I'll keep stirring the pot with a monkey's paw. Thanks for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join us for the next episode covering legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, 
its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.